The following podcast contains spoilers and words that my mother would prefer I did not say. We watch Hello all you beautiful people out there, you've got Billy and that means you must be listening to We Watched A Thing and this week I've got a wonderful guest with me, it's Dan Brennig from Netflix and Swill, how you doing mate? I'm doing wonderful Billy, how are you? I'm not bad, I'm not bad at all, that drink there looks absolutely delicious, it's a bit uh, bit early for me unfortunately. (laughs) You can only, you know, it's five o'clock somewhere, it's uh, almost eight o'clock here, so West Coast means five (laughs) o'clock. And I had to get you on this week because it's the second Netflix release that I'm doing on the show uh, in a row. Yeah. And you and Caleb are the guys. Like, you you are the Netflix guys who know everything, and I need to talk to you about this film. Because, um, correct me if I'm wrong, is this now the most expensive film Netflix have made? I thought Red Notice was still, like, 250 and this is about 200 Yeah, okay. And yeah. that makes sense because, you know, The Rock is a psychopath. <laughs> well... <laughs> so we are of course talking about the gray man so let's get right into it the gray man is a 2022 american action thriller film directed by anthony and joe russo from a screenplay the latter co-wrote with christopher marcus and stephen mcfeely it's based on a 2009 novel of the same name by mark greeny a novel i've never heard of and it stars ryan gosling chris evans Anna de Armas, jessica henwick um Yep, I, I kn- Julia Butters. Oh, I, I thought you were going to pronounce the try to pronounce the French name. I'm skipping it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's give it a go. Reggie Jean Page. Sure. Uh, <laughs> most people who watch Netflix will recognize him as the the main character of Bridgerton season one that they right. didn't See, shoot I've not within got to season Bridgerton two yet. <laughs> and Billy Bob Thornton. And let me ask you this, Dan. What is it about? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Good question. No, it's about uh, Ryan Gosling plays this guy uh, Sierra Six. Like we know, we learn his name at the very beginning of the movie, but it doesn't matter. They just know him as Sierra Six. He's like yeah. a ghost. He's a gray man. He yeah. lives in the gray, um, and he is part of like this old CIA program where they just take like criminals and put yeah. them out in the field as opposed to like wasting their talent. And uh, he comes into possession of some highly incriminating evidence of uh, the of his handler, uh, Denny. And uh, Denny is now like, well, fuck you, Ryan Gosling, <laughs> and tries to get him killed uh, using the effervescent talents of uh, Chris Evans as Lloyd Stanwick. Yep, that pretty much sums it up. So just before we started recording, you mentioned that you, you did see this in, in the cinemas. Were yes. you expecting a lot from this film? Did you have high hopes? Did you um, tell me about that? <laughs> okay, so many. Uh, so two part question. Yes, I did see it in the cinema. I saw it at uh, Julio's former place of employment, Cinemark. Ah, right. Well, a Cinemark chain. It's not his exact cinema. I was going to say because you're not uh, in Austin. <laughs> no, I'm in North Carolina. But uh, I this is now the second time I've been to that Cinemark for a Netflix movie. Yeah. Uh, the first one was Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. Ooh, uh, that yuck. one. <laughs> I mean, different experience compared to this one. That one I knew was a you know pile of garbage as I was walking out. <laughs> this, this movie I walked out of more mixed, but also yeah. I just thought like the whole time I'm watching, I'm like this looks like garbage, and I don't mean like this movie is garbage. It just looks like garbage. Yeah, like, right. And then I watched it today. Yeah, on my home television. With my setup that I know works. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, 
the Cinemark did this movie fucking dirty. I was going to say, because I actually thought this was a really nice looking film. I watched it here at home. I've got a home cinema here, which is all calibrated 100 inch screen. And it was a gorgeous looking film, I thought. There's a couple of janky shots in there where I'm like, well, that doesn't really work. But I thought for the most part, the cinematography and overall look was was lush. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, it was just too dark. Like there's the opening scene where they're in the prison, Billy Bob Thornton and, yeah. and Ryan Gosling. And like half the fucking screen is black. And it's yeah. like, I had no idea what was happening in that. Like, yes, they're just sitting there on the screen. And like, obviously it's it's dark. So that way, it, like, because they de-aged them like 18 years. So yeah. like they just wanted, you know, they wanted to obscure it a little bit using darkness. Fine. Yeah. But the point is that the contrast levels at the Cinemark were fucking atrocious. <laughs> And this isn't the first time this happened. I went to Red Notice in theaters when we talked yeah. about Red Notice. And I just – I watched that and the contrast was off there too at a completely different cinema. Yeah. So in my head, I have a new conspiracy theory. <laughs> oh, let's hear that it. <laughs> the theaters don't give a fuck about Netflix until Netflix starts putting movies in their theaters – well beforehand, so we're talking like the yeah. an actual theatrical deal, not like a limited run shit. Yeah, like a forty five day before. Deal. Yeah, yeah, You're right. So they're just like, eh, fuck it, doesn't look right. <laughs> Who gives a shit? And then people, uh, you know, so like until I see a theatrical deal for something potentially with Glass Onion and Knives Out story, yeah, I I'm not going to see another Netflix movie in a cinema at all. That's, it's yeah. not happening. I I'm so sick of the way these look. Yeah, so you said that you were fairly mixed walking out. So did you enjoy this movie more watching it at home? Like, did your rating go up or on a second viewing? Yes. Was it just, yeah, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's still problems. There's um a specific airplane sequence that looks like shit. Uh, <laughs> they shot it like shit. It, it just, <laughs> the effects are shit. It's, the the airplane sequence is the worst, like, and it's it's chaotic. Like, I, I it's appreciate frantic. what they were doing. yeah. But they had no idea how to shoot that and make it yeah. look any good. Yeah. No, that's I completely agree with that. Um, so you the cool thing about you guys is that you don't just talk movies like a bunch of the rest of us. You you know a lot more about the business side of things. So speaking of the theatrical release, I just want to pick your brain about that a little, because I don't know about over in the States, but here it got shown in very few cinemas and it was like one session a day. Was was it a wider release than that over there? And it like so you've mentioned already that it's not like a proper theatrical release. What in your eyes is the reason behind doing it in theaters at all? Is the, are they hoping for awards and that's the minimum requirement, or like what is the reasoning behind even putting this out for like a week in such limited sessions? Potentially a awards thing but I, I i feel like you only have to show in either la or in that's what uh, i thought York. yeah yeah and they own theaters they specifically own theaters for this exact scenario oh really uh, i didn't I don't, realize that yeah, <laughs> yeah they own the egyptian theater in los angeles they might own another one now and they own an i can't remember what the one in new york is called but they own that they own one there too so they did a premiere i'm pretty sure they I don't know if they did the premiere there, but like I, I know for a fact they show Netflix originals at the Egyptian, as well as whatever else the Egyptian has lined up for, for their their programming. Uh, why limited theatrical release? I don't fucking know. I don't. <laughs> I don't get it because they make they made about two hundred thousand dollars on their on their over their release weekend for yeah. for that. It was like not good per screen average or per no. showing average. Like 
The showing that I went to, it was at 7 o'clock, and then there was a 10.30. It was on a Thursday, and I was yeah. like, oh, cool. I get to see this like eight days ahead of time. Cool. Dope. Awesome. That's why I went, because I wanted to see it eight days ahead of time, even <laughs> yeah. though you know people were already put, put out their reviews and such. But uh, yeah, it's two showings. Uh, mine was decently filled, but it was also like a 35-person theater, so it was <laughs> yeah. like half filled. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, cool, cool, like whatever. But yeah, making two hundred thousand dollars, like unless like they're making pure profit off of that. Yeah, like yeah, I don't, I don't get that. I no. I don't get what they're doing with a, a limited run like this. No, I don't get it either because I mean everybody knows that Netflix is in dire straits at the moment, and like I thought, what they mm-hmm. needed is more subscribers, right? Like showing this in cinemas isn't that like don't they want more people to come to their platform? <laughs> okay. Uh, I have a different definition of dire straits than okay. everybody else. A lot of so a lo- the way pe- when people when I hear the phrase dire straits or something similar to those lines, yeah. I'm just like, oh, so you just read the stories and aren't actually paying attention, which yeah. is what I'm here for. This is what my podcast is for, exactly, so I can pay attention yes. for you, <laughs> yeah. so you can filter through garbage noise. Um, <laughs> since Q1, their Q1 earnings call back in April. There has been like a dogpiling effect on Netflix. Everyone has just kind of looked at Netflix and gone, let, oh, easy punching bag now. They lost subs for the first time in company history. And that yeah. is true. They I mean, it was going to happen at some point, though, history. like saturation point. Like everyone, I think, forgets that Netflix for a long time was the streaming service that everybody in the world had. And now they have competition. Of course, they're going to start losing subscribers because they had so fucking many, but they still have a lot of subscribers, right? Right. Uh, They still have like 220 million uh, as of the Q2 earnings call. So it's not, and mind you, they lost 200,000 subs in Q1. They lost almost a million in Q2. Um, most of that you can attribute actually to price increases. They've yeah. increased prices too much. They they made a, a terrible gamble. Well, terrible gamble. Because you look at the subscriber numbers, they made a bad gamble on raising prices. But yeah. if you look at the revenue, they made a good gamble <laughs> because they made out with more revenue than the prior quarter. Yeah. So they did they did exactly what they wanted to do, everybody. They made more money. Yeah. Which is yep. what like and they're introducing an ad supported tier coming in twenty twenty three. And in theory, if you're somebody who doesn't give a shit about ads, which is, yeah. I, I don't know, you might be, you might not be, it it all depends on the person, but they'll, they'll be like, okay, look, you know, eight bucks a month, we'll pretend, let's pretend that's the price point, I don't know what the price point is. Yeah. Eight bucks a month, you get to watch all the Netflix stuff, but we serve you like 60 seconds of ads before you watch the damn thing. Yeah. I mean, it's not many Maybe ads. you take that. <laughs> yeah. But maybe you take that, and then they'll get you back, they'll make more money off of the... Uh, ads than they would off of your subscription in the first place. Yeah. So they'll just bring in more revenue that way. So they'll bring you back, and the subscriber numbers will look great. Yeah. And that's the problem. Everyone just focuses on the subscriber numbers, not the revenue yeah. numbers, not yeah. the profitability numbers. Every like when everyone when I hear dire straits, I just go, "You're only reading the headline of lost subscribers." Yeah. What yeah. you're missing is they're still gaining in revenue. Yeah. I reckon the other thing is too, like streaming services are still at an early enough point that people don't. 
I don't think people understand how much those subscriber numbers are going to fluctuate because people don't see it as like, it's not a lock-in contract. It's not like, you know, it's not like when you get a mobile phone, you lock in for 24 months. You can subscribe and unsubscribe as you please. And I think we'll see that in the future. You know, when Stranger Things eventually comes back, probably year after next, that we know that Squid Game is coming back, which was one of the biggest shows in the world. They'll get a massive boost of subscribers again just to watch those shows. (laughs) Right. Well, that's the thing, too, is that Netflix doesn't offer the annual pricing plan. Uh, Disney Plus did that three-year plan, which, by the way, is coming up. Yeah, right. It's coming up this year, and they're going to increase prices. Right, yeah. And we know that for a fact. They had had both an ad-supported tier and a price increase coming in the end of this year. Yeah. So everyone wanted to, like, dogpile on Netflix. Everything's being conveniently forgotten about Disney Plus. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's get into the film proper then. Let's let's do this. Sure. So, I had never heard of this book before. You and I, I you and I when we did Red Notice spoke about this and you brought up that Netflix had been trying to kick off a franchise. That, that it's something that they're looking to do. Do you think that this is it now? Like do you think that they're looking at this as kind of a James Bond-esque kind of, you know, Jason Bourne like this is going to do, do you see a sequel to this happening? I would need first first weekend numbers to tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Because it is such and I and I want to be wishy-washy like I I'd, I'd like to say yes, like personally, yes. Uh I find this much more palatable than Red Notice. Uh Yeah. <laughs> I think Gosling is much more entertaining than the three leads of Red Notice. Yeah. So like yes, I want there to be a sequel. Will there be a sequel? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh I mean, I believe the critics' ratings on IMDb were sitting about like 5.5 yeah, for this movie. Very, very middling. Although I noticed that the audience scores were much higher. And it, and that's the thing. It's jumped up quite a bit since this hit wide release. Yeah. And I think audiences are like, yeah, I had fun. Yeah. And, and critics are like, yeah. for the most part, critics are saying- but it's it, but we did like it can be fun, but it, like it was it wasn't anything new. It's like well, audiences don't give a shit. Audiences I mean, just like, honestly. hey, did I have a good time? Yeah, yeah. it's great. I love this. What is new anymore? I mean, let's get into it. Yeah. To kick it off, yeah, I liked this movie. I liked it quite a bit. I I liked it less by the final kind of twenty twenty five minutes, but for the sure. majority of this time, film, I was having a really good time. The cast is solid. Chris Evans was great in this role like he crushed it gosling was good i don't think that he had a lot to do but he's kind of playing one of those characters that's not really a character and that's okay like that's that's what he's doing um he has some quippy lines here and there which uh, which lends himself to be more endearing that's true and and the quips all actually landed for me like when this film aims to be funny it is funny when it aims to have you on on the edge of your seat i think it does i think that it balanced everything really quite well i've seen some reviews about the pacing being a bit breakneck but i actually found it was paced pretty well yeah yeah it's a it's a two hour ten minute movie and uh i know people who really don't like movies over two hours anymore and i can tell you right now this did not feel like a two hour ten minute movie this movie is paced exceptionally well Yes, and I was actually surprised watching it at home when I realized that the credits kick off with 17 minutes of that runtime left. So when you take credits out, it's actually sub two hours, which yeah. I, I thought it flew by. <laughs> it, yeah, I, I love I love the pay. That was actually the first thing I said when I could walk down the movie. I'm like, this does not feel like a two-hour movie or however long this was. I'm like, I was never bored. 
Yeah. And that is the best thing you can say about a movie is yes. never being bored while watching it. Yeah. And, you know, of course, you can take it one of two ways. One, it was so engaging that, you know, the the whole everything on the screen was so engaging and you liked it enough that you were just like, yes, I'm focused on this. Or, of course, there's the I was never bored and it's just a trash fire the whole way through. It is not the latter part where you're just like you're hanging on to like the the next awful thing to happen. I was wait every set piece, every action scene was so yeah. great. Even when we have like these little character moments, those are still engaging and then they still throw in fights during those so that yes. way it's not like Oh, you missed something. Like, we've been sitting here with characters for 10 minutes. Uh, oh, here's punches now. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was I was thoroughly surprised at how much fun I had with this movie. I'm not a spy movie kind of guy. I saw the first Bourne movie at the cinemas and fell asleep. I just, they're not for me. I've sure. never really enjoyed a Bond film. Um, but this, it had a, a good level of fun to me. And like you said, there's little character moments. And I think there are moments that endear you to the characters um you know even little things like when gosling is is trapped in the the cave and he constructs this kind of explosive device and you know just showing that he's kind of smart and that he's not just right like you know this thug turned cia agent like he knows what he's doing and it makes you actually care about him well, right. I mean, not only do we have, like, the opening scene with him and Billy Bob, which eventually, like, we, we find out what happens and why he's in prison and yeah. why it's, he's sympathetically in prison and why you feel for him. Yeah. But then you kind of get, like, that, that moment where he's supposed to take out uh, Sierra's four, and yeah. he doesn't do it because there's a kid there. And even yeah. though it's a proof for collateral, he still has a moral compass. So you're already yeah. automatically rooting for him because he doesn't kill the innocent kid, I think. Yeah. I mean, sp- while we're talking cast and everything i i fucking loved billy bob in this film like he this was a billy a side of billy bob that i don't think i've seen in a long time like that yeah that really kind of charismatic he was great <laughs> yeah i mean there there's that sequence he has with chris evans like right outside the funeral in turkey which i mean you want to talk about where a lot of this budget went it's a lot of on location stuff oh there's heaps it's yeah. it's actually crazy all yeah. the places they go. And I remember seeing that uh, regarding like the production, like, hey, now they're in this place. Hey, now they're in this place. Yeah. Now they're in this place. Yeah. And like, what the, <laughs> the fuck is this movie going to be? But yeah, the, his first interaction with uh, with Lloyd was fantastic. Uh, just, just the way they yeah. played off each other. Yeah. Yeah, I read that this film had been in production for quite a long time. Back in 2011, they had uh, Brad Pitt set to star. Um, that which- makes sense. Almost, almost seems like a different movie to me. To be honest, I just think him and Gosling, I can like they're very different actors. Yeah, I, th- I think they got a bit done with co- before COVID, and then after, like during COVID, they had to get a bit more done. And yeah. I think that's why you see a bit more like contained shots. Like, I mean, especially like there's that the the castle in Croatia had to take like forever. Yeah, to, to yeah. even do. They have a lot of sequences there too. A, a lot of offices. Uh, a lot of ho- indoor houses. Yeah. Like I, I feel like they were okay with you know taking taking like second crew and just doing yeah. establishing shots and that kind of stuff. And, yeah, yeah. And creating around that, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I it, it did get up, get paused for COVID, but it it picked up, and then of course this is what you got from it. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I was the amount of different locations in this film is staggering, and I guess maybe that's the one thing when the critics talk about the pacing of the film. 
like I mean, geez, they get places quick. Like there's one scene yeah. where uh, you see Anna de Armas. She's she's somewhere. She's being contained. I can't even remember what country she's she in. She's in the Berlin office. Yes, okay. and believe me, I was confused about that too. I was like, wait a minute, how did this woman get from the United States <laughs> to Prague? Yes, in or not Prague? It was um, where the fuck was it? It was like some. It was like some Eastern European yeah, country, they, or they like went somewhere to close enough to Germany. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then it shows her leaving Berlin and then coming in. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm fine with it. It's okay. <laughs> Like maybe it's not maybe maybe somebody who actually knows the area understands like ain't no fucking way she's getting there. But <laughs> yeah. I was just like, eh, you know, it's there. Yeah. I mean, so let's t- let's just talk about. The- I have two major problems with this movie. One is the airplane yeah. sequence. Yeah. Who who said yes to that? Who said <laughs> who said who looked at that sequence and just went, looks great, guys. Like, come on it looks it's impossible it reminds me actually a lot of the spider-man homecoming plane sequence yeah where yeah. it's like the 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 plane all glitching out and it's like fucking impossible to tell what it, anything is half the time yeah yeah i mean and, and this is supposed to be more grounded because there's no like invisible plane or anything it's just like yeah. a regular old plane that they they tumble through and like explosions yeah. happen it just looks like garbage i i don't get who said yes to that i mean this honestly this just reminded me of every plane sequence in every action film ever because they never look good i don't know why we keep doing them they are extremely hard to pull off because they just don't look real because of course they're not real and it's not just that i think even just like the logic and physics that takes place on screen. Like there's one point where for some reason, a bad guy gets sucked out the door and then Gosling's just standing there and he's fine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I I tend to throw that kind of shit out. Like they're doing something cool. Awesome. Fine. Like I I normally give that kind of stuff a pass. Like I believe me, I get it. And I understand the criticism. (laughs) If you're somebody, if you're like a physics major being like, well, that's not possible. Yeah. But like for me, I'm just like, Hey, it looked cool. And with sequences and that's all like the movie that, has to do. Yeah, with sequences like that, they always... It's like you were talking earlier about hiding the de-aging with darkness. With plane sequences, they always hide it with a sunset. And it's like, okay, because then there's there's glare and there's glow and there's there's light bounce and stuff. So, it you know, everything just, just kind of covered by that. And it's like, well, not really. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, there there was that sequence that I just I just hated. I hated the se- the second time I watched it. I hated it the first time. I'm just like, oh my god, this is what this movie is gonna be. And yeah. then of course there's a big action set piece like halfway through the movie that we can talk about, of course, because we have to talk about it because it's fucking insane. It is the most crazy action set piece I think I've ever seen in a movie ever. Is this but the one in Prague with all the cops in the this town is square? The one in Prague yeah. Yeah. with all the cops <laughs> all and the then dead all cops. the dudes. It yeah. was it. W- this was crazy. But yeah. the other thing I fucking hated was the drone work. I yes. hated, Thank- hated, yes. hated, hated the drone work because uh, one of the trademark signature establishing shots that they would always do is to have the drone fly in and then do yeah. this real sharp 90-degree fucking turn. Yeah. I was like, why? Please, please stop. With yeah, this. The, the drone really bothered me because for the most part, like I said, I actually think the look of this film was really good. I, not only did it mm-hmm. look good, I think the cinematography all really worked and you know it tied in with the story and there was good shot motivation. And then 
every kind of four or five scenes, like you mentioned, there's these very random drone shots that move very quickly that look completely mm-hmm. out of place. Because it's funny, for an action movie, I feel like there's actually not too much camera movement in terms of what you typically get with some of these movies where it's what we call the virtual camera. It's a camera movement that sure. couldn't really take place in reality. A lot of this is actually quite grounded camera work. Then you get these insanely fast drone shots that move really fast and really weirdly that, like you said, they take odd turns and everything. And I just don't understand it. <laughs> it's just, it's a really bad shot. <laughs> it It's... It's a bad choice. I won't say it's a bad shot because obviously, like that is impressive drone work for that guy because that that is not sped up footage. Like that yeah. is real time what they're doing there. But like it is a bad stylistic choice, and I I just don't understand it. And I mean, even outside of that, there's drone shots. There's a sequence where they're we're at the hospital. They're at the hospital, and there's a drone sh- sequence where they're like going around people, and it's just like this looks like shit too. Yeah. And it's not like because it's bad drone work. It's just bad shot selection. Like, this is a bad choice. Yeah. And I definitely. get why you're doing it because you want to make this seem more chaotic than it, than it is right mm-hmm. now, but you're just not nailing it and you're just pissing me off. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just think it's just terrible. It's just a shot that never should have been taken. Like, when I say bad shot, it's like there are a few things you learn as a cameraman. Like, early on, you get told, don't zoom. Like just you don't you don't shoot while zooming. It's for starters, it's very seventies, but like it was big in the seventies to have, you know, zooms and stuff. But it gives the editor a really limited choice because you can't cut halfway through a zoom. So you have to use that entire shot, which is just poor form. It's even like when you're shooting news, you don't pan the camera for the same reason. And it's like these shots just never should have been captured because they they were never gonna they just look so bad. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it was one of those stylistic choices. Like, I get what you're doing. And I get what you're trying to do. Although with the establishing shots, I'll never understand what you're fucking yeah. doing there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just do, just do like a sweep. Just do like a regular, like 40, like downward sweep and just look yeah. at those, just to give us something. Like, we don't have to do like the, huh? And, like, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck is that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about that action sequence in the middle of the film. I mean, I, I actually, like you, I thought just about all the action sequences were pretty cool and well-paced yeah. and kept me interested. That one in Prague was next level nuts. It's just like... It was, it was so crazy. <laughs> it was so... And it just kept compounding on itself. Yes. They have, yes. They, like, you, ha- you, have the, you have the one team go in and then the explosion happens and Ryan Gosling gets knocked back and you're like, oh my God, this guy's already beat up. Yeah. Then he has to fight some cops. Yeah. Then he gets hit by a car. <laughs> then he gets handcuffed to a fucking bench yeah. and then another fucking team comes in yeah and they just start murdering the cops and uh, yes. it's like oh my god this is crazy <laughs> and then like they're kind of meeting good resistance from the cops and then lloyd's like bring in bravo team and you're like wait what and then fucking bravo team shows up to fucking murder more cops and you're just like what the fuck is happening and then lloyd's mind, like we need more guns because they brought in a swat team so here comes fucking delta team and you're just, i'm just like what the fuck and then there's a dude with a fucking machine gun yes. on top of a car yes. and then there's a dude with a fucking r- grenade launcher <laughs> in the back of a fucking van and i'm yeah. just i'm I'm like losing my mind because everything is so fucking crazy. Yeah. Every, it yeah. just keeps escalating and it's so awesome. 
Yeah, that's the thing. It works so well. It's truly one of those scenes for me where, like, fuck all logic. I don't give a shit. This is awesome. This is just so cool. It's <laughs> so cool. And there are so many people shooting all over the place. And like you say, for the first half, he's handcuffed to a bench and still nothing hits him. It's like these people are stormtroopers shooting to the point where at least they do this awesome thing where... I'm sure you know this, in screenwriting, they call it hanging a lampshade on it. Like, when something doesn't make sense, draw attention to it, and it just makes it work. And so when right. when Lloyd is like, can somebody please shoot the guy that is handcuffed to a bench? Like, he literally can't move. And it's it's so fucking good. <laughs> it's so good. It, it You know, and that, that line delivery, like, Lloyd throughout the entire sequence is fantastic. Again, Chris Evans, I missed this. I really did, because, like, you know, we got, you know, Not Another Teen Movie, which, wonderful parody movie. Yeah, I love He's kind of like this throughout the entire, he's kind of like that throughout the entire movie. Or, like, Scott Pilgrim. Like, his, yeah. his like, ten minutes yeah. of Scott Pilgrim. You know, over-the-top douchebag. Yes. And that, he pulls it off in Knives Out. That's why I love oh, Knives Out a lot. Great film. Yeah. He pulls it off in this. It's just, this character, it kind of got pushed to the side for, you know, Captain America. And so... As much as I'll miss him as Captain America, boy, am I glad he's done being Captain America. Yeah. I gotta say, I honestly, I think, regardless of what you say is of the movie, this might be my new favorite Chris Evans performance. Like, I, I think Knives Out is a better movie, and I think he's great in that, but my God, is he a lot of fun in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the, the Countdown's episode of, like, top 10 scenery-chewing performances, oh, yeah. I think, this this might have been on there for me, man. Like, he's just yeah. so, he just, he's such a ham in this movie, and it just works. Yeah, it does. It makes, it endears you to the film in general, because there's nothing better than watching a movie where you can feel the actors and the crew are having a good time, and that they actually... Whether or not they think it's artistic, they care about what they're doing because they're having fun with it. And right. you could feel that through the screen here where you were like, yes, I'm having fun with this movie because Evans is having fun with this movie. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, Ryan Gosling gives that to a lesser extent. And that's the unfortunate part about it is like that he has to be the protagonist and they kind yeah. of like drive him a bit where he doesn't get a lot but when they give him something, he's he's nailing it. Like his relationship with the kid, which we haven't yeah. talked about at all. Yes, yeah. It actually it does work. Like despite the fact that we have very little screen time for it, like I feel like they've endeared each other towards each other the like for the entire time. So like, yeah. he has that motivation to save her, and that's why whenever you know the Billy Bob sequence, like, hey, they got my niece, and he's like, okay, I'm refocused <laughs> yeah. now. I get it. <laughs> yeah, like that works. Yeah. Definitely. It does make me curious if this does lead to a franchise. And like I said, I've not even heard of the book. I'm assuming that there's more than one. There, there must be a series of these novels, and that's why Netflix picked it up in order to kind of right. franchise this. It makes me real sad that Chris Evans dies at the end of this film because I just – I can't – you know, like like I said, I, I like Gosling in this film. And like you said, when they do give him stuff, it works. But I'm just – I'm curious to see how a next picture would work like this. You would need you need some equally out there character as Evans to kind of drive this and setting him up with the kid at the end. I mean, I'm trying to think of a franchise where that has ever worked. For the most part, they kind of 
sideline that in the first couple of minutes of the next film and i don't feel like they can do that here i'm very curious to see if we do get a sequel what it looks like right and ultimately the sequel seems like uh bridgerton guy and then jessica henwick sending people after him and then it's going to be like a pseudo jason Bourne type ish movie where yeah you know he has to get to them to take him out i mean they set up um the old man who we never meet in this movie, which I think is great, uh, especially yep. if you want to set up a universe, you don't have to reveal the guy right away. Yeah, you know? that's true. We, yeah, we didn't know about sure. Thanos for X number of movies. Yeah, 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 that's true. That's very smart. So, like, th- there's there's plenty of room to explore it. I think it will happen. The question is, will it be the Russos? Because I don't know about that. Because... Uh, the Russos had a Magic the Gathering project with Netflix that they left over creative differences. Right. And I don't know if Netflix will continue bringing in the Russos because of that or if they'll pass this off to somebody else. And that's where I worry because when Netflix passes off things that to – like, for instance, Jupiter's Legacy. Yeah. Uh, Jupiter's Legacy is a Mark Miller comic. Uh, Netflix owns Miller World, which is a comic book – publishing house similar to dc similar to marvel yeah Uh, Yeah. although much 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 lower on the totem pole yeah around like with dark horse and image and that yeah right so they hand off that jupiter's legacy series to one of their most experienced showrunners i think he was the showrunner for season three of daredevil and that's like that's a spectacular season yeah yeah he also did another series uh called pacific rim the black right and then he left Netflix over massive creative differences. Yeah. And then they brought in a new showrunner. And then they changed everything. Yeah. That 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 <laughs> show ballooned to like a $200 million budget and had no fucking reason. When its yeah. main star was, what the hell is his name? He was like the main soldier that wasn't Tyrese from the Transformers movie. What the hell is his name? Not seen any of the Transformers. Josh Duhamel. That's it. Oh, Josh, Josh Duhamel. Oh, right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He, yeah. he is the main. He is like the big. Also, Leslie Bibbs in it. Uh, yeah. But like, it's Josh Duhamel. Like, he is. He is the guy. He is not a Chris Evans. He is not a Ryan Gosling. Yeah. And yeah. still, the fucking budget ballooned to over two hundred million dollars. Yeah, that's insanity. And it and it failed. It was a massive flop. Nobody liked it. It was a bad show. I yeah. hated it. So like, I. It's one of those things where I say all that to say this. I am worried if the Russos leave, yeah, because or the Russos are not brought back because then they're going to hand it off to somebody who is probably not as experienced and yeah. probably has no idea what they're fucking doing, and then they're going to make the sequel garbage. Yeah, yeah. I think it's so easy to underestimate what people like the Russos are bringing to this. I <laughs> think like. I mean, it's so easy to look at a film and, ah, you know, partic- especially an action thriller film. Like, what does the director really do? In a case like this, I think a lot. <laughs> I think that right. this movie, they brought a lot of character to it. And, um, yeah, I don't think this movie would work with just anybody directing it. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. And that's the thing is that when you're Netflix, you need to, you know, look at your major projects and say, do we have the right person behind this? Yes. And yeah. for the Gray Man, I think they had the right person behind it. For Jupiter's Legacy, they definitely did not have the right person behind it. Yeah. So you need to keep that up. You need to say, how important is this property to us? Because to me, and my argument is that the Gray Man is probably Netflix's most important movie of the year. Yeah. Because 
of everything that happened from the Q1 earnings call. Yeah. They need to, because for the first time, really, people started thinking about their Netflix subscription yeah. after that call yeah. and after that price increase. And if you, and the big criticism I saw online was, Netflix doesn't have any movies. Like their movie, they're like they got some good Oscar Oscar potential movies, you yeah. know, uh, the, some good indie stuff here and there. But you know, their big budget movies, man, fucking suck. <laughs> and I look at it and I go, yeah, for the most part, you're right. They do kind of fucking suck. And so this movie, which was going to be the big blockbuster movie of the year yeah. for them, needs to hit. And it looks like it's hitting with audiences, which is yeah. great. But it didn't hit with critics, and I'm sure that definitely led some people away. And yeah. I'm worried. I'm worried for this movie. I'm not, well, I'm not worried for this movie. I'm not worried. Let me rephrase. I'm worried for the perception of Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Because of this movie in particular. Because the critics seem to be like, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I don't get that. Because let, let me be clear. I think this is the best blockbuster I've seen this year. <laughs> is it the best movie I've seen? No. But this is the right. most fun I've had with a action blockbuster movie this year. I think the offerings we've had from the MCU this year have, in my opinion, been really, really poor. And that's usually yeah. my go-to for like a fun blockbuster time. Yeah. Um, Jurassic World Dominion was a complete pile of poo. <laughs> like we've I, not. I, I could have told you that. I didn't even yeah. watch it. I didn't watch anything. <laughs> and I was like, I just looked That's at it a smart like, decision. No way this is good. <laughs> yeah. This is easily far and away the most fun I've had with a blockbuster film this year. I find that opinion really bizarre, though, because, like, is that really what people are going to Netflix for? Like, I mean, as far as streaming services go, Netflix still must be in the lead as far as original content in television goes. Like, I mean, uh, yes. there's been a couple of decent Amazon Prime originals. You've got, you know, Hulu has Handmaid's Tale, which is excellent. Uh, they might have a couple of other things, but Netflix must be leading the way with television. So, I mean, surely that's got to be there. Uh, it's still H- it's still between HBO and Netflix right now. Like, HBO is still- Oh, uh, yeah, I forget that they're predominantly like a streaming the, service the now. Yeah. But, like- because HBO just got 148 Emmy nominations, Netflix only yeah. got only only got 105. <laughs> so I mean, I, some somebody online tried to be like, "Well, Netflix is falling off," and I'm just like, "They're they're like someone was like, yeah, their their Emmy slate was really disappointing." It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? They have triple digit <laughs> nominations. Are you fucking high? Yeah. I always I forget that HBO is now in that sphere i still think of them as you know like a like a cable network essentially but yeah yeah well and also hbo is interesting because they just got a new ceo like they just had that merger with discovery right their their ceo is slashing budgets he is slashing the fuck out of budgets it's gonna be very interesting to watch them over the next couple years yeah people a lot of people's opinion on hbo is this is the pinnacle of content Yes, and I yeah. Look at that and I look at everything that's happened recently, and I just go, "That might be that still might be true." Yeah, but there's going to be a bit more garbage on on HBO. Yeah, there's going to be a little bit more, and I wonder if that's going to change perception. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So, all in all, how are you scoring the Gray Man? All right. Uh, if you at, if we recorded this episode last week, I probably would have said like. Because I was waffling a lot. I, I was really, really mixed on it because yeah. it's like 
I, as I said before, I was really engaged. I thought the some of the action was fantastic. I mean, we didn't even talk about the very end of the movie, like the the fist fight between oh. uh, Gosling and Evans. <laughs> yes, Gosling gets stuff. stabbed so many times, and just so many go, times. It's great. <laughs> doesn't matter. He, he should be dead. I don't care. He he beats the shit out of yeah. Chris Evans. Even I, just like know, the logistics whatever. of that, where you know Anna de Armas has a shot. She can shoot Chris Evans right there, and he's like, nah. No, I want to fist fight no. this guy. No, fuck this guy. I want to beat the shit out of him. Yeah, I don't care. Great. I, yes. You know, it, it, you know, it would be very lame if she just took a shot at him. It would, oh, that would be yeah. such a lame ending. And yeah. you know, I'm sure a lot of people would be like the logic of this scene. I don't care. The logic yeah. of that scene definitely says Anna to armor shoot him. But then we yeah. wouldn't have this awesome oh. fi- fist fight between the fist two. fight in a fountain. Just such a good move. <laughs> yeah. So like. I liked I liked a lot of the action. Uh, it, pacing was great. Uh, Chris Evans was great. Gosling was good for what he, what he had to do. There was some good heart to it. Uh, of course, there were my two negatives. Well, my three negatives at the time. My two negatives. Uh, well, the one that has now gone away was, holy fuck, this this looks like trash. I don't know who contrasted this, but yeah, on a seventy six inch QLED HDR TV, looks great. Yeah. Uh, but. The, the airplane sequence, which is supposed to be like this massive, like not massive, but the, it's a big set piece at the time. Yeah, especially. Yeah. yeah. Looks like shit. Uh, and then the, the drone camera work, like, yeah. really takes me out of the movie, being like, what the fuck are you doing here? Yeah. I'm going with a, and an, I, I have to remember your rating system. I'm going with out a seven 10. out of yep. 10. Yeah. It is a good, this is a good movie. This yeah. is actually a good movie. I saw a lot of complaints about editing. I didn't really care, you know. No. I'm I'm trying to get over John Wick, uh, and I really feel like John Wick has done a lot of damage to action movies, like because we re- rate them a little bit lower than they should be because of the fact that John Wick is a lot of Keanu Reeves doing it, and yeah, that's fantastic, and I I love John Wick action for that because it is it like there are very few cuts, if any. And if yeah. anything, it's just to reset the fucking camera position. Yeah. In these movies, like, if you're expecting, you know, Chris Evans and Go- Ryan Gosling to go through six weeks of combat training. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have bad news for you. <laughs> well, I, I've said this before. I With my action films, I actually feel like I need a little cheese. And maybe it's because I grew up watching action films in the 90s. But for me, John Wick, as great as it is and as cool as the choreography and cine- cinematography is... It's still just a little bit too gritty for my liking, and I need a good layer of cheese on it, which this movie delivers. And I'm exactly the same. I'm a 7 out of 10. Like I said, I have not seen a better blockbuster film this year. So, I mean, if that's what you're in the mood for, check this out for sure. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Mate, thank you so much for joining me. I can't thank you enough. Can you tell everybody about Netflix and Swill and what you guys do and where they can find you? Yeah, so if you like uh, the little bit of analyses that I was giving in between the movie, uh, talking about the movie, uh, you can find our show at NetflixAndSwill.com. It's your one-stop shop for all things Netflix and Swill. Uh, we review, we're gonna, we talked a lot about Netflix content and also just like the, the business behind everything. I mean, this week uh, we're talking about the Q2 earnings call and all the fallout from that. It's not a lot. There's not a lot. <laughs> but I mean, like, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot to talk about, but there's very little fallout because it, Netflix is very much like treading water right now. Well, slightly treading water, a little bit better than they were before the earnings call, which is a big shock to me, actually. Um, so we talk about that. We talk about stuff that's coming to Netflix, and then stuff we've watched on Netflix. So if you want, if you like all that stuff, 
check us out. Yeah, it's a great show. Highly recommend checking it out. It's it's very, like you said, the deep dives into the business side of things is very cool. I find it fascinating. Um, oh, thank you. No worries. Next week, I will be joined by, he's been brought up a couple of times in this podcast, Paul from The Countdown is going to be joining me. We're going to be looking back at The Thing for its 40th anniversary, one of both of our favorite movies. So, okay. yeah, okay. expect a lot of a lot yeah, of love next week. Yeah, for me. Oh, yeah. Man, it's a great film. I'm really looking forward to rewatching it, actually. Our local cinema is showing it for the 40th Ooh. anniversary, so I will be getting there. <laughs> nice. Uh, and in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with me, you can do that at wewatchthething at gmail.com or wewatchthething.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchthething. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchthething, and I'll catch you next week. Ooh.